Hello, everybody. My name is Juan Carlos, and welcome to OCR and Edited, where we highlight amazing coaches, athletes, and everyday people from the OCR and trail communities for fun, unscripted, and unedited conversations. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Trevet, sports marketing advisor and race director in the UK. Um, Matt, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, welcome to OCR and Edited, and thank you for making time to speak with me today. How are you? I'm, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, th thanks also for taking the time. So, um, God, God knows what time it is for you. I didn't really know. So um, I just picked oh, the time that worked for me. Like, it's 11.41 uh, it's a.m., buddy. It's nice and early. It's beautiful. Oh. The sun's out. Uh, from, what, from what I gather from uh, the window up there, it's dark. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> Soon you're going to bed. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's only half past four here, and it's, it's dark already. So, uh, so it. we it's meant, to, it's meant to be snowing the last couple of days, but it hasn't been. Uh, yeah, listen, it's cold over here, and it's snowed. So... Uh, we're on the same boat. So Matt, let's get down to it. You know, myself and many people watching and listening want to know who is Matt Trevet. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I kind of I kind of fell into this sports industry space, and it's probably like a different angle from people you might usually be speaking to. Um, I was I wasn't that much into sport okay. when I first started. I did a bit of sprinting. Um, I got into martial arts at a young age. So I, I did things here and there. Nice. And, um, and then in my early, early 20s, as everyone does, I, I tried to find my, uh, my first proper job. And I kind of fell into this, this role in the UK. There was a big sports company, um, like a collection of retail shops. And we had about 40 shops in the UK. And I kind of got dragged in as a, as a junior. I was doing a bit of social media stuff here and there. And it was in this, all the shops were around running. So, you know, it had the running gear. We worked with brands like Adidas and Nike and New Balance. And I was just that kid in the office that did the social stuff because no one else knew how to do it. I did a bit of web stuff. So I, I was kind of quite lucky because I came in at a great time. And I kind of just, I really enjoyed this, the industry, like the sense of achievement people have from doing these kind of sports. And it was all like mass endurance. Um, so I kind of fell in love with that quite quickly. And then that started me doing a bit of sports. And I thought this can't be bad if I'm starting to exercise a bit more anyway. So that's always a bonus. Um, and I got good exposure. Like I, I met Mo Farah a couple of times um, when I was younger and we did some nice. stuff with some athletes and, you know, all these really kind of inspiring people. Um, and that was really great. And as part of that, there was also this events business that was kind of latched onto it. And there's a couple of big events in the UK, big marathon events. And, um, I was able to get involved with those. So yeah. I used to help market those events, um, just generally get the runners in every year. When it would come to event day, they'd stick me in the lead car and I'd get to drive the lead car with all these athletes behind me. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, I did some really awesome jobs and I kind of just like, just really enjoyed it. And um, I was very lucky to be exposed to all these really great people in the UK, like people yeah. like Hugh, Hugh Brasher, who raced directs the London Marathon um, from a young age and other people. And I just kind of soaked it all in. Um, and I just love the events, you know, like any, what other industry do you work towards like a goal, a goal where you physically see people achieving things at the end of it and you kind yeah. of work all year to that point, you see it happen and it's like, okay, onto the next one. And that, that's kind of what got me, I think. Oh, nice. Um, really interesting. Um, your roles and the one that I really want to talk about and learn more about is, um, how did you become a race director in the UK? Uh, tell us more about your role in the organizations that you worked with. Yeah, so the, the race director one, it kind of, it follows on from, from where I got all this experience. I okay. kind of, 
I left that industry and I, I went and did a boring job for a couple of years. <laughs> I, I chased a bit of money and I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And I was, I was doing some work with Amazon. I'm not putting Amazon down. Great. But I was doing some stuff I wasn't that passionate about. And um, like all kind of new business stories, there's always like a moment where you're like, what if I could just do this? And it was kind of one of those moments. Um, it was me and my, my best mate here in the UK. We went to college together and he'd gone to uni. He came back from uni and he, he'd bought this sports shop and we kind of sat down one day and we had a, a couple of drinks and then a few more drinks. And we thought, well, if we just, well, we just launched this event, you know, like this is the yeah. town that we grew up in. We could just launch this event. I kind of know roughly what I'm doing. He's got a shop, like it kind of made sense. Yeah. So um, that's it. You just start, start a business. You get to call yourself the race director. So that's always a bonus from the start. And then um, it kind of went from there. I mean, I grew this event with him in the UK, um, in this, in this town. And in the first year we got a thousand people, which was great for a first year event. The second year we got 1500 people and this event kind of just exploded in the UK. Um, we won a few awards. We, we made a bit of a bit of an impact over here. Um, and then it kind of got too big for me quite quick, like just rocketed and it was growing so fast. I had to sell it a couple of years ago. Um, I sold it in order to kind of help it breathe a bit, you know, yeah. get more people involved, get a bigger company behind it. And I'm lucky to still kind of be loosely involved in that event. Um, hmm. So that was kind of it. I kind of just thought, yeah, I'll just go for it. And, you know, how else, how else do you become a race director? Honestly, unless you, you know, you can crack at it for 10, 15, 20 years. And I thought, no, let's just do it. You know, we'll just do it. We'll organize the events and I'll pull people in that know more than me and all this stuff. And yeah, we'll give it a go. Yeah. You know, trial and error. Yeah, you like know, any business. You learn know, just, as you go. <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, you know, I'm only, I think I was 24 at the time. I was like, you know, if it goes wrong, then I'm still, still quite young. It's an experimentation, as you know. It, exactly. it, it's with everything that you do in life. You know, you're not going to learn if you don't make any mistakes. And in order for you to get good at something, you have to, you have to make mistakes. Yeah, and what, what better way? Honestly, like, there's nothing more, there's nothing more stressful, I think, than that week before that first event where, you just have, you have no idea what to expect. When you're race directing your first event, you just don't know what to expect. You're kind of like, okay, people are going to turn up. Like, where are they going to go? Exactly. What are they going to do? Are they going to follow my rules? Are they going to... You know, so, yes. So, you know what? I said mistakes. Let me change that word and substitute (laughs) it with fail because you need to fail in order to succeed, not the mistakes. So, so, uh, let me just correct myself there. But, you know, that is an interesting role. Um, that's and it also takes a lot of time and effort for you for for a race director to you know be able to perform in that at, at that level in that role. What were some of your challenges and uh, yeah, what were your, some of your challenges and struggles? I think um, and I, I think I still have this because it's just who I am. But I a lot of the industry, a lot of the race directors, especially in the UK, I know loads of them. Um, I'm going to say you know they've they've been around for a few years they're experts at organizing events like that's that's what they do that they're, they're pros at that but when it comes to kind of scaling, scaling the events getting okay. the entries you know getting the brand out there that's probably where the industry lacks a bit over here and when i came in i came in from the opposite angle so i was kind of like okay i know how to market events i've marketed these big marathons before i got you know i can get a thousand people to come to my event but what i don't know is how to organize the event but so i kind of did it backwards I was like, okay, I know all this stuff. So we started, you know, I got the website up, we started selling tickets, we grew the brand. And then, it, you know, six months in, it was like, okay, now we have to organize the actual event. So it was kind of, 
you know, and a lot of it is common sense you know you don't you 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 pull people in like if you don't know something i didn't i didn't know much about the health and safety and I'm like okay, i'm never going to cut costs in that area so i've got a health and safety company to come in you know that's one area that i'd never cut costs on um ever so we did that yeah. and the rest of the stuff is yeah, a lot of it's just you kind of just learn on the job and some people just learn better that way and i think i was just one of those of people. course of course yeah. um Talk to me about Tough Mudder Ireland and nuclear racers as clients in the UK and how are they supported? Yeah, th those guys are great. So we do, um, at my day-to-day -day role, we do a lot of stuff with obstacle racing in the UK. Like we've made a bit of a name for ourselves with the platform that we offer. Um, and there's a lot, of, a lot of events that use us. And we'll talk more about that later. But those two particular clients are, are great. My, um, my colleague's dad uh, actually organizes the Tough Mudder Ireland event. So we've got really good visibility. We actually went there last year in June. Um, yep. We flew out to Ireland and we went to the event and they use their, they use a check-in app that we've given to them so they can be check people in. So, you know, we, as well as giving them the platform and, you know, advising them, it could be anything from, you know, what price rises should you do? What promotions should you run? Um, how the entry is going in the case of this year, it's been things like, okay, how do we transfer all these people to next year's event? A lot of the admin stuff that, many people don't see it goes on behind the scenes and organizers spend a load of their time sorting this out um anything from that but then the, you know the more fun part is going to the event on the day so we go to the event get stuck in um see people getting electrocuted on the uh, on the obstacles and all that fun stuff so <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a really interesting client because you know tough mudder as an organization is massive um yes. and we're lucky to have kind of one of those as a client um, and kind of see how how they work. Um, so they're yeah they're they're good ones. Um, obstacle course races in the UK. Um, what's it cost to put on an OCR event in the UK? I think it depends. I've got good experience with road races, but what okay. I see with obstacle races is and this okay. is from knowing a lot of obstacle race directors. And okay. the reason I never got into it in the first place um, is like a running race, for example, you, know, you can do a trail race and maybe you're paying for, you know, a bit of land usage here and there, you know, medals, you've got your kind of standard costs that you can imagine. Um, yep. Road running, you've got your road closure costs, potentially that usually that's a big chunk of your budget to close the roads for two, three hours. Yes. Um, obstacle races, it's tricky. It's, it's harder because these obstacles have to go up quite early on. Like a normal event, you can kind of, the day before the event, you can start set up. Even the morning of an event, you can start set up. You can start getting everything ready. You can close the roads on the dot. You know, three, three, four hours, a 10K half marathon can be done. Um, and for example, that would be a running race, a road race, a trail race. Exactly, yeah. But with the yeah. obstacle races, these guys, exactly. you know, you need to have the land for longer. So if you're renting the land, you've got to pay for that land for a week, possibly two weeks. And a company like nuclear races in the UK, they, they do so well because the guy that owns that owns the land as well. So he has all the, awesome. yeah. And that's why they're so big. And that, that kind of proves to you how, how tricky it is to put on an obstacle race because yeah. best selling one in the UK and the biggest is the guy that owns the land. He leaves the obstacles up, I think all year round, he rents them out. Yeah. People do their own activities. On them. He's got, he's got the dream scenario because he, you know, but these organizers that pay, 
to keep the other schools on the land. You have to take them down, put them back up a week before. Yeah, that seems to be where it's a, where it's a struggle, and it's, it's a shame because a lot of organisers find that really tough to make it worth their time. Not only do you have that, you then got to sell the tickets and you know get your thousand, two thousand people on board to make it worthwhile. Of course, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Mm. Um, where do you think, or why do you think the the industry? Uh, is struggling in the UK. Where does the future of OCR lie in the UK? I think, I think that the cost is is a big factor, and I think it's hard to become a an OCR race director. To be honest, I think, I just don't think there's much of a a name behind it over here. Like you look at the federations. So with running, you've got for us, we've got UK Athletics, probably similar to like a Running USA. Um, um, we've got British Triathlon. You've got these kind of governing bodies and I know there's a recent one that's been started um, for obstacle races in particular with this exact goal of trying to get people in the sport because um, when I go to these events like the nuclear races I mean you know, there's 15 20,000 people a year so I don't think it's lack of people doing the sport I think you get beginners and you get pros you get the elites and you get so I don't I don't think it's that and I think usually people see that as a big factor I think that the people are there um, and I think there's enough of these obstacle races that are kind of easy to do you know like i look at it and think you know if i can do it then they're doing a good job because i can do it find it fun yeah. elite elite can do it and he can smash his pb or something um so i don't i don't think it's that i think it's i think it's a question for anyone growing up in the sport if you're if you're organizing events why would you transition to an ocr when you've got you know there's massive health and safety implications to it you have to be really on the ball you have to know what you're doing and there's no kind of pathway into yeah. that and there's no pathway into being a race director in general um so i think it's you know it's people that own a bit of land like these mud runs that you see they own a bit of land they, they know they can put a bit of a mud run on and you know these kind of small family businesses they do a really good job over here okay um, but i think also you've got the likes of tough mudder and spartan that probably do such a good job that you know new ocrs are around for a couple of years and they kind of struggle to to punch a hole in them a little bit um, so, race events, other than Spartan, Tough Mudder, um, and nuclear races, what other race orga OCR organizations um, um, are being held in the UK right now? There's some, there's some really good ones. Well, right now, not much. But apart from nuclear races, who've been really good with the whole COVID situation, like they've done some really, really cool stuff. Um, there's, yeah, there's a load that we work with that unfortunately have had to move to next year. So there's events, there's a few off, off the top of my head. So we've got companies like Mud Monsters in the UK. They're really nice guys. They own like a, um, a bit of land and they do like mud, like mud racing, mud car racing. So they, they use the track and then they use it for people. Um, there's ones, there's a big one that we don't work with, but they're called Rat Race, which is another really big OCR. Probably, the, probably a big competitor to nuclear races. Yeah. Um, there's other ones like uh, there's one called Elements, a good example of one that you know he he kind of builds his own obstacles and uses. And then there's one 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 you might have heard of called Tough Guy. Tough Guy. Is no, I haven't. Um, tough Guy. <laughs> tough Guy, because Tough Tough Guy, and I I didn't know much about the history of it until I started a couple of years ago being involved in OCR a little bit more. Um, tough Guy. I think it's toned down a little bit now, but I've heard some interesting stories about a lot of broken arms and legs like five, six, seven years ago where their course was just, that's it. You sign the waiver and 
your life is just signed away. And it was, <laughs> I think it was pretty crazy. I must dig out, I'll dig out a video and send it over. But tough guys, I think that's where the, the tough mudder thing came from. I don't, I don't know too much about it, but I, I know tough guy was the original, you know, and companies like tough mudder looked, looked at that concept and they kind of, I think they kind of toned it down a little bit. They were like, okay, how do we make this a bit more family friendly and a bit more attractive to the wider market? Um, and I think that's probably where that niche is when you talk about how does OCR come back a bit? Yeah. People like me looking at it thinking that I can do 50% of the obstacles. That's fine. I'll have a good time. Maybe that's the market. I don't know. Now, you are also an event, uh, a virtual events manager. Talk to me about that role and what does it entail? And are you currently running any virtual events in the UK? Yeah, we've, we've done a few. So, and, and honestly, probably, probably reluctantly, we, um, everything kind of pivoted to virtual events. Um, and you, you've probably seen loads of them floating around. And yeah. There's been some great ones and there's been probably a few that are more like cash grabs, to be honest, like you kind of sell the difference. But I, the events that I organize in the, in the UK, um, one of them, the event that I founded originally, um, we had to pivot that one to a virtual. So we did, we did a free challenge in June, which would have been the event date. Um, and I came up with a, a kind of a concept just to make it completely free for people. So anyone could just enter to take part. Um, it was just a tank, what the, what the event would have been, which is a 10K. We just did that. And rather than medals, we just did what we call digital medals. So everyone got a custom medal design that had their name on it that was sent to them afterwards. Um, that's hence why we could keep it free because there wasn't much cost. It was just kind yeah. of activity. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I've seen some companies doing that after, after I did it. Something came yeah. credit, but maybe people were doing it before. I don't know. But um, we did that. And then there's another event that I have in the UK. Um, the first of it took part last year. So I do, yeah. I do some cool stuff with Toyota and Lexus. Um, and we had an Olympic Park event last year in March. And that was booked for this October. But we, we knew quite quickly. It was at, originally it's at the Olympic Park. And that's quite a big venue in the UK, the Olympic Park. It's quite hard to get that venue. It's also quite you know, oh, expensive wow. to get that venue as well. So we, we had to pivot that event. Um, and the plan was this year to make that into like a, into like a glow run. Um, and okay. We changed the name to, to London Lightning Run. And we were going to make it like a glow-themed glow event. So quite quickly, I, we, we kind of pulled the plug, realized we couldn't really do that. And we turned it into a virtual. And I found that because we, we'd called it lightning, I found that the, the longest ever lightning bolt was across southern Brazil, and it was 700 kilometers. And I, I converted the real event into a challenge where you'd have to run 700 kilometers over the course of six months, a year, whatever it is that you, you'd want to do. Okay. So I kind of extracted that, and then we, I, I found this app that allowed you to kind of travel the real path of that lightning bolt that happened. I think it was like three, three or four years ago. So, um, yeah, something something small. But I like I like kind of finding these little ideas and linking things together. So, yeah, I think if you're going to do a virtual, it has to be a little bit, a little bit imaginative, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your take on virtual apps and OCR, and what does the future look like for these two, um, for virtual apps and OCR with uh, with COVID? So I see, I see it heading more like um 
I'm going to call them like hybrid events. And I had this chat the other day with someone. Um, what you found with the, the pivot to virtual events is that the tech has really kind of boomed. And okay. we've done some stuff ourselves at, at Nuco. We've, we've built an app that allows you to do audio guided runs. And it's nothing, you know, other companies have been doing this. Like you can have an app and you can go out on your own. You can run a course and then via GPS, you can, you know, it can tell you which way to go, et cetera. You can have music in there. You can have notifications. Um, we do some stuff with London Marathon and they obviously had their virtual event in October. Um, and the app that they used had finisher certificates you could download you know as you ran your own course you could see like on the london marathon route where you would be so all this stuff is kind of it kind of existed i think but it wasn't really at the forefront and i think with virtual racing it's quite hard to do a virtual obstacle course some people have tried it but it's a case of go build your own course and do it it's not particularly exciting so i think where the where the future will be and some of these apps that are really prominent in running should be, you know, moved across to the OCR world. And we can try and think about how these can help obstacle racing. And one thing that's come up in the last couple of weeks is, you know, these kind of apps where you, you have it on your phone, you're running around the obstacle course, and it could be a spectator, it could be someone at home that, that knows you're taking part. They can log into the app and see exactly where you are on the course. So say you get to, I don't know, you get to the monkey bars, and yeah. you look at it, and I look at it and think, like, crap, I don't feel like this today. And I want to walk around it. You can actually have someone interact with you directly through the app. And they, could, they can know you've got to the monkey bars. And they could say, okay, if you give it a go, I'll, I'll donate five quid or something. So there's all these kind of angles that I think will, will make these kind of hybrid events where okay. the tech kind of supports the real-life event. That's interesting. There's a lot of ideas that can come out of it. I mean, that's, that's one of mine that came up in the last couple of weeks. But, like... You know, you, how do you integrate the tech with these real events? And it might even be like after you've done Tough Mudder, you go home and there's still that connection with the event organizer. Okay. But maybe the next day there's a warm down routine or something that's linked to the app. Like it doesn't just end at the event. Has it been tested or is it just more theoretical? Everybody's just talking about it and getting that dialogue to, to start and then and seeing how you can apply that into a race. You know, is it something that you want to test on the, in the open or with the open field? Because I find that to be a little challenging mm. if with athletes that are competing because of the time that they're trying to achieve here, you know. Um, and at the elite level, I find that pretty hard. But in the open, I can see that being applied and, and maybe even being successful. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. There's, and I think maybe there is a bit of a there's a bit of a divide or a gap. You've probably got your really, I've seen them at the events, you've got your really hardcore guys and then you've got the rest of the field, like you say, that don't want to stop, especially if the event's chip timed, you don't really want to yeah. stop. So I think there's there's probably scope for, for both parties to be served through this tech. Yeah. You know, or if you're doing it purely for the time, then, you know, on that on that kind of virtual, you're going to call it virtual experience, you're yeah. going to want to know, okay, what was your split time? What was yeah. your fastest obstacle? What was your slowest obstacle? Like, all this stuff bespoke, which you look at after the event versus someone that, you know, just wants to interact with someone and wants like a record of the fact they did this obstacle or they ran through the electric shock thing and they kind of made it and they can prove that. And then you've got the charity aspect as well, which I think there's probably scope for that to grow in the obstacle race. I don't know. 
some, yeah. some companies do a great job, but you know, why not turn some of it into fundraising opportunities for yeah. these groups to get together and do it all for a laugh? And you know what? I can see that. I can see that being very a really great experience and uh, achievable. I mean, in, in the open, if somebody gets with the monkey bars, like you said, and they can't do it, but, you know, they try to give it a go and they couldn't do it and they can easily, you know, put $5 towards it and you can just go around it. Who knows? And a lot of it might sound, I'm, I'm going to say crazy, crazy or silly, not, not silly in the sense that like stupid silly, but if you think of what virtual races are now, if you looked at that yeah. five years ago, you'd say it looks pretty silly. Like you say, why would you go run out on your own, on your own, do a 5k and then get a medal in the post? Like, I think it's how, how we combine this tech into the OCR. That's not the only thing for the future of it, but I think there's a lot of room for that to, that to grow. And I've not seen much of it yet in that space as opposed to the running space. And it also comes down to communication and the reasons why you are, um, that you want to, um, incorporate those type of applications into the OCR race because those funds can easily be, be put back into the organization for future runs to um, maybe increase uh, the customer experience and maybe better the product and get the people coming in. It's, you know, it's a business, you know, but if, if the communication is clear and concise and people do understand and this gives them more information and it probably will get them out to your events because they know that they're supporting a good cause because in the end it's for the people. And if you can increase and make that customer experience uh, a lot better, mm. Hey buddy, I'm all for it. And I think a lot of people would be uh, behind you and, and support you. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. And then and it's, it's true. There's not, there's not an awful lot of funding that I see going back into sports like that in the UK, um, yeah. to be honest, especially for the people that put them on, you know, and people forget, and this is not just OCR, but in general, people forget that these event companies are, they, they're still small businesses and yeah. they still have costs and they still have staff. And, you know, I, I've done it full time for a year. I thought I could hack was a year full time. Yeah. I looked at that year when I did it and I was like, you really need a good few of these events to kind of, kind of survive um and this year has been been really tough for some event organizers i know a load who were like this year is going to be my year i'm quitting my job i'm going full-time i'm launching 15 20 events and it gets to march and they're like ah oh, crap like <laughs> not, not really like that just it's, it's been horrible for them. and it's bad enough on a normal year to be honest yeah. it's not and, easy yeah it's just not easy and people forget like i'll give you a good example i the event that i i'm still involved in in our local town, I, we, we were almost going to go ahead in December. Okay. And I put some feelers out to the community and I, I know the community really well. They know me as the guy that closes the roads once a year. <laughs> but um, I worked hard That's awesome. with those guys for like four years and they all kind of like, yeah, yeah, we like the event. And, you know, it brings, it's the biggest event in the town. What can you mean? Oh, that's good. That's good. But I even said when we thought we could put the event on, I kind of put some feelers out and I got a lot of backlash. People saying that I don't, we don't think this event should happen. Um, because of COVID yeah because of COVID and I kind of I get it I, you know you can't yeah. there's different levels but what I was surprised at was people were all in support of the local shops and these businesses and not so much the event but I can see why but also they didn't see the event as a business they saw the event as a almost like a fun run a fun experience yeah yeah and there are fun yeah. runs but a lot of these events are 
someone's full-time job to put it on you know a year goes behind them yeah my time's gone behind getting these people ready to run so i found that quite interesting yeah um it, it, yeah, it is a business, and, and you know, you're putting them in, and you also, you know, to, and like you said, to some people, this is a full time job. You know, mm-hmm. this is how they make their uh, their money to be able to be uh, to have a, a living. <laughs> you know, put a roof over their heads, clothes on their back, and food on the table. Um, it, it, it COVID has really uh, made an impact in the entire world. Uh, not so, you know, whether it be in sports or in the food industry and in so many other industries, it's really impacted a lot of people negatively, uh, a lot of businesses negatively. Now, in England, in the UK, in your area, um, tell me, how has the impact been now with events, uh, with people trying to bring events into their communities and to get people out? I mean, it's got to be pretty hard because... Uh, England got hit hard with the uh, with COVID. Yeah, it's it's been um, it's been kind of there's been some really good event organisers and some guys over here. The, the industry's kind of come together, and it's it's quite a close knit group of people. Okay, so when nice. you know when everything shut down, everything shut down. There wasn't really much you could do. Even the small you know, the small companies doing the trail yeah. events, even the ultra events. You know, with ultras, everyone's kind of spread out. It's a bit easier. Um, everything kind of shut down then it was kind of a lot of it's led by the governing bodies so for example with road road racing you've got companies like run britain that kind of lead the way in terms of advice and guidance and you, then you've kind of got the councils that individually look after their areas so if you've got a council where there's you know particularly high infection rate they kind of have the last word yeah they kind of, yeah we're going to approve this event or we're not going to approve this event. And for yeah. someone like us, where we've got road closures, they can say, look, we don't, we can't really close the roads as well. Like you're asking a bit too much. So you're kind of at the mercy of, of those guys. Um, the ones that have, that have really kind of led the way back. And this has been in the last, last two months, really. So, so quite, you know, not, not so recently. Um, the guys that have these kind of like private venues where it's a bit easier for them to put something on. Um, there's been one in there's a place in the UK called Kew Gardens and there's a guy there that that did a 5,000 person event um he put it on and he was kind of supported by loads of other race directors like you can see them as competitors you know guys that own other businesses around London and the UK everyone kind of got together and there was this kind of race director gathering to kind of launch this first event back in London um and I thought that was really cool. Like, that's really nice to see because it is quite a quite a lonely industry sometimes, and everyone knows each other. So the relationships are so crucial. So everyone's trying to trying to get everyone back racing rather than just being like, who's the first guy that can come back? And it's quite gotcha. easy to try and be like, you know, be the first one back and get all the entries and you know make a mark. So that's kind of led the way. And then yeah, like I say, the private venues guys that have these yeah. really good relationships. Um, the venues, from what I've heard, have been quite good in saying like, if you meet certain requirements you mitigate you're kind of good yeah Yeah. um talk to me about njuko am i saying that right njuko njuko uh nuko nuko stands it stands for essentially new hyphen co which is new company okay new kids on the block is is the term but and this is an this is an online application that's number one in europe and uh, we were talking about this before we got started. So um, is this uh, an application that you're using 
Um, Currently? So, yeah, it's a company that I, I, I work for um, most, of the, most of the time, um, full-time, um, as well as all my other stuff that I've talked about. So um, I work for these guys full-time for the last couple of years, and it's kind of, it's a platform that uh, event organizers use to manage kind of all the admin stuff. So I won't bore you with all the details of it, but you know, <laughs> when, when, you enter, when you enter an event, you have to enter the event, right? And the organizer has to see that entry. They have to get the payment. They have to say, okay, Matt's entered the event. This is where he lives. This is all his details, etc." So yeah. the platform allows you to manage all that stuff. And there's a few of them out there, but we, we're quite lucky to, over the last seven years, the company's grown throughout Europe. Um, and because we're so, I want to say dynamic, we've developed a load of features. You know, if organizers want it, we kind of build it. So anything you know one of the features this year has been a mass refund tool for example not the most exciting feature but one that's been used because when you cancel an event sometimes you have to refund a lot of people so the ability yeah. to, just to refund you know hundreds of people if they want to um moving yeah. them to next year's event emailing people in bulk all that kind of stuff but we're lucky to work with a load of big events across europe um milano marathon vienna marathon uh, frankfurt marathon uh, we recently signed london marathon in january and earlier in the year okay and that's been that's been my main focus helping the guys at london get through this this period and those guys have got thousands of entries and they've got more than just the london marathon event which which i discovered <laughs> earlier in the year got quite a few events so we we give the platform but then we also kind of support the organizers so it's quite an interesting role because even like your local obstacle race director who does a mud run once a year you know she might use the platform to organize her event and then we might pick up the phone and I might talk to her about where she should get her medals from or um, one obstacle race company recently launched a color run and I've, I've organized a color run. So we talk for half an hour about where to buy your color powder, how to clean the color out of your car <laughs> after you transported it across. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so um, that's, that's the really fun part. And this is where I get to kind of learn all this stuff about the industry because you just talk to all these event directors every day. And I think, because I've kind of lived and breathed it, I can, I can relate to it really well. Um, it kind of makes it a bit, bit more exciting. Yeah. Um, I find the application, the online application, a really interesting and amazing and informative tool because of the data um, that it gives you, the race director and your management staff when it comes to putting up races to determine, you know, what, if it, you know, if, if, if it makes sense to have a race in a certain location or region, uh, should we move it elsewhere? Uh, there's so much information that comes along with an online application like that, that can, that really helps organizers be able to put up events in the right area, because in the end, it's a business and you want to make money. You're not in the business to lose money. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, been, it's quite undervalued by some organizers. And I talked like I did at the beginning about how I've kind of come in from a different angle, um, yeah. you know, from the kind of the digital marketing aspect that, you yeah. know, okay, let's organize all my entries and that kind of angle. And I think that hopefully that shifts and it, it gets a bit more attention. Like, I don't know where this next wave of, of young race directors come in because it's really hard to to get to that top level and to be in charge of such big events because it is so important yeah um so my my role has been educating organizers in the uk on the stuff that i understand that they 
should put more time behind, I think. Um, like, you know, this application, for example, and it means I can come into their business, I can advise them on anything from how to increase their margins, you know, even what yeah. prices they should be charging. I mean, I don't think I should be in charge of that, but I can even <laughs> say, look, you know, these guys are charging twice your price and they're over in the north and, yeah. you know, why, you, you know, you should be a bit more competitive and even stuff like that. I mean, people are charging 50 quid for virtuals now. So, you know, your real event should be at least a bit more than a, than a virtual, I think. So even stuff like that, you just get good industry knowledge. And um, of course, that's 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 the fun part and you just hear really good stories from events like crazy stories i thought i had some crazy stories <laughs> like people at triathlons getting attacked by swans i heard that's awesome this guy that's winning and he's just got a swan attacking him in the lake and this was this guy's like first first triathlon and that's his main promo picture for 2021 is just his lead swimmer getting attacked by a swan Everyone just loves it because this stuff just happens. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Matt, here, let's shift the focus now on you. So, you've been in athletics. So, can you share with us some of your best accomplishments and achievements? This might be the shortest part. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Um, no, I, did, I, um, I, used to do a, I used to do a lot of sprinting back in school. Okay. Um, a little bit competitive. I did a lot of sprinting. I found that I was really good in short bursts and then uh, my stamina was lacking. So uh, just in the running that is. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so I used to enjoy sprinting a lot and I've kind of kept some of that. So I did that for a few years in school. I hated the cross country, to be honest. I just, I got to mile two and I was like, why, why am I, why am I doing this? So um, that was that. And then I, I got into, I got into martial arts at, age 12 um and that was kind of that's been my main sport i think and that's kind of something that i want to get back into um i recently took it back up so i was training from age 12 to about 23 so a good a good kind of 10 years and i was doing interclub competitions which is where you have not rival clubs but you know like clubs kind of organize these competitions you get you get booted up and you just kind of kick each other so um i did a number of those for a few years uh, until I got to the point where I did get quite injured <laughs> from doing too many of those. So you get the odd fractured toe and potential broken arm and stuff like that. I only had a, a few small ones, but it was enough for me to kind of put the brakes on a little bit. Um, and then I think like, like all people, all people at some point, I got really into my, my business and my career. And, and I think this is probably one of the hardest things is how to keep the aspects of your life up when you're feeling you know, 110% of it with business and work. And admittedly, and I, you know, I hope other people don't fall into this trap, but it is hard to keep both up. And when you, you know, when I was launching my events, I was doing a full-time job for the first, first year at least. Um, and even now doing my events, I still do full-time work in the industry. So it's hard to find a bit of a break. So I took, I've taken a few years off. And then, you know, in the last year or so, being surrounded by so many, you know, athletes and and runners and race directors that run and good ambassadors for their events, I've kind yeah. of just felt like I've had to get back into it. So I've been running some 10Ks, some 5Ks. My plan is to run, to run my own event, perhaps next year or the year after. I've got to do that at some point. So um, that's good. I want to do that, and then um, just got back into the martial arts in the last, literally the last couple of weeks. So um, finding really a bit of balance. 
that yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, look, I'm still in my 20s, so I think you've got to make the most of it while you're, while you're there. But, um, and you just see all these, I go to all these events and especially the OCR races, like the guys that finish those, like I see some of the stuff they do and I think it's just crazy. Like just to get anywhere near that level of fitness is... Hey, listen, buddy, I'm in Canada and we have some amazing athletes. Uh, I'm still running in the age group going into elite. There's some amazing athletes down here like uh, Jesse Bruce, you know, Ryan Atkins, Lindsey Webster yeah. over here in Canada. Uh, you know, Jay Price, Ian St. Laurent, and then, you know, Mick Girello. There's so many of us here uh, and we love the, the sport of OCR. And, um, w- you know, with me having this platform and bringing awareness uh, like for you, an example, internationally, it's important. It's important to the growth of our sport. It's, in, it's important for you as a race director that we all as a community come together, start dialogue, help each other, be informative, bring the information out and out to the, to, to the huge masses being the people and uh, gathering, you know, get, you know, helping each other. And then hopefully that, you know, now that, with England now with you guys got the vaccine you you know you you've already started uh giving it out to people that hopefully that COVID will be removed will be out of here and we can all get back to our normal lives not this new normal no back to the normal that we all know that we miss (laughs) so people like yourselves and businesses can get back up Start, you know, living and, and, and people can beg back to work and making a living out of it. Seriously, I, 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 I just, I want this whole damn thing gone. I think, um, I think the event, the, well, the event space has been hit so hard, but I yeah. think that the event space was always going to come back. Like, no matter how, how bad things got or get or might happen, like, I think people are always going to have to have events. So, there's always going to be that point where they're like, Look, I'm going to have to, it's like holidays. I'm going to have to go on holiday. Like even if the risk is a bit more than it was two, three years ago, people are going to go on holiday. Like you can't really stop that as long as we can. Same with events. Experiences are, I know with the new, you know, the younger generation coming up, I've been looking at some stats recently and, you know, they're just, they buy into experiences. That's the number one thing. Experiences, experiences, you know, that's what they want to want to be okay. doing every weekend. Of course, but are we talking about experiences during this pandemic? Because that's the scary part mm. because of the transmission. I mean, you may not have the symptoms or you may have them, but you're not showing them. Mm. And all of a sudden you're transmitting it to other people and then they're affected in, in such a ways that can be deadly. That's the problem and that's the scare. Mm. There's so many athletes. I tell you, there's a lot of athletes right now in Europe that are racing. In, 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 in road running, trail running, OCRs. Mm. Some of them are having amazing experiences and they're fine. But um, there's a lot of people that are not because they don't want to take that chance. Yeah. And as an athlete, to be hit with, with, with COVID can really impact their pulmonary system and impact them in the future because mm. we still don't know what the impacts is for an athlete in the future, especially in road running especially with runners and and, and OCR athletes because 80% of the sport is running. And that's a scare. And so a lot of people want to take a step back. You know what? Let's just hold off and let's wait because the new year is coming. It's around the corner. And let's just make sure that hopefully that vaccine will just is spread out throughout the world. Everybody gets it and we can get back to normal. But I'm 
the business aspect, I totally understand. There's a lot of businesses that are suffering and they want to get back up. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. You're right. You're right. There's, um, it's really hard to find that. Find it is. On. Exactly. Um, tell me, do you have anything special planned that you would like to mention? Whether it be 2020 or 2021? Anything you want to share? <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I hope we see some events coming back. Like I've got this the, the one thing i missed this year is i'm involved in different events like the events that i launched like this was going to be the second year of this color run that i have in the uk we had the first one last year and that that was more like a bit of fun that wasn't too much of a business thing that was kind of like for the kids and the families and yeah. i kind of leveraged some experience i had and did that so hopefully those two events come back next year because that you know what i've missed the most this year is just going to an event i've been to a couple of nuclears um I kind of live through those events, but there's nothing for me like going to my own event. And I do this, I stand at the finish line of the the 10K that I launched a few years ago. And I just stand at the finish line and people cross. And I always grab like, I grab the first few people and I grab a few in the middle and I always grab like the last two or three finishes. I always wait to the end, even if it's just me there with the finish line, I make sure that everything's still there when they finish. And um, what I've missed the most is like talking to these people that finish like yeah. the quick guys like, i stand at the finish line and say like how was it because if they say it's good then okay i know if the rest is going to be okay um yeah and at the people at the end i just say to them like oh how did, you, how did you find us and most of the time it's their first ever 10k and they're like we did it because you know you're inclusive and everyone's still here when i finish that's the event awesome. i do it for the medal like that's what i've missed the most so if those events come back next year then yeah, that's, that's what I've kind of missed. So. You know what? I, I totally, you know, I, I can hear from your voice that how much you miss that and how much you love that. And that's got to be an amazing feeling for you to be able to talk to people and everybody be so positive and say that you're inclusive and they can't wait to come back because you throw amazing races. You know, to hear that type of feedback, that positively, uh, positively but from the people and, and wanting to come back, that's got to be an awesome feeling for you. Um, in, in your events yeah, i guess it's um i mean what it's, it's business isn't it and it's a bit of validation like yeah. for me my work is so you know i work a lot a lot of hours and i'm behind the laptop a lot that's just the nature of it i said to people that ask me like yeah. what you do like i said i can i can organize a race from a laptop the other side of the world and i could just come to the event on the event day and things could still happen at the event you know my water could be delivered I could organize where everything has to go. I could just sit behind the laptop and I kind of, you know, everyone gets drawn to things they're most comfortable with. I'm probably more comfortable doing that than I am hurling bottles of water into a, into a skiff or into yeah. a so that's probably me. But um, yeah, that's one thing, one thing I've probably missed a little bit, but when you're, when you're sat behind that screen for the whole year and then you go to the event, I kind of, that's it. You just managed to change, you know? instead of being behind your laptop you're that guy that's yelling things all day telling people what to do and just kind of getting stuck in it's a completely different atmosphere and that's the kind of stuff that yeah that you miss but you kind of feel like all that all those laptop hours are worth it like yeah. everything comes together in one day and you're like oh yeah it makes sense now because i know it's not easy i know that i've seen race directors here whether it be in the ocr um you know race directors holding um um, OCR races or running like road or trail races and, 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 and there's a lot that goes behind that 
there's a lot that goes to putting up an event. Um, I thought about that. I thought about, you know what, when this platform is, is good and ready and we've managed to have a lot of followers and, and, you know, we've, you know, we've established, I've established myself or we established ourselves. I would love to have something like that and do something like that and to have give the people more options, whether it be road trailer or OCR. I've thought about that, but you know, maybe one day I'll, 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 I'll give you a ring ring <laughs> and, and be able to pick your brain. <laughs> um, let me yeah, ask you. Sometimes I feel uh, it can be stressful. So <laughs> you do, you do get there every year. And I, I do sit there the week before the event and I'm like, why, why did I do this again? And then, yeah, literally, why do I do this again? And then the day before the event, when you're not really sleeping, I remember the um, first year with the first event because it was me yeah. and my mate, and we kind of did it did it together. And I didn't really sleep the week before. Like, I, I'm like that. Like if there's something happening, I just can't really not focus on it. Yeah. So um, got like two hours sleep the night before, and I think I woke up at like 1 a.m. and I was texting my mate like, should we move the toilets like two meters down? And he's like, why are you texting me at 1 a.m. about toilets? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm just thinking like this year and this people have to finish and is the queue going to go into the car park and he's like nah it's fine <laughs> but you know there are two levels of stress there's yeah. the good stress and the have and, and uh, there's the bad and the good stress this type of stress that you're talking about is a good stress because you love doing what you're doing that's the thing that's the difference it's big huge that. difference as opposed to doing something like going to work at a place that you don't like and you got that stress that is the excuse the language that's the shittiest type of stress that you don't want in your life that's the stress that just makes you miserable and angry but then there's this good stress like what you're talking about man uh, uh, even with what i do sometimes i get stressed but it's a good stress man this is what i love to do this yeah. is my passion and i love the sport of ocr and trail running so yes I'll take it any day. Yeah. And you have to be like that. Like in the events industry, like you're up at, I'm up at 3am for the events and stuff like that. And I don't know, you just feel a part of something. Like, I think you just, if you find what you, what you enjoy and not everyone finds it, it's really hard, but I, you know, I found a niche and if you can find that That's niche it. that makes you, you know, that motivates you, then you do do crazy things and the crazy thing is starting an event or, you know. And it's true what they say. When you do something that you love, it totally changes you mm. as opposed to doing something that you hate and you have to do it every day because it's what, you know, it's what pays your bills. That could be stressful. Fuck. I, I don't want that. <laughs> I'd rather be stressed. I'd rather be happy stressed. <laughs> so if you live through your work a little bit and that's quite, quite common. It's hard, you know, you can't yeah, switch, switch it on, is. Switch like you kind of end up living through your work, especially nowadays, everything is constant, you know, like it, you know, if I'm working in the week and there's an event on the weekend and I'm at the event on the weekend and I'm back at work on the week, like it's quite constant. If you don't enjoy it, then it, literally there's no point. So. You know, it, it's funny with, with, with COVID hanging above our heads worldwide, you know, people now are at home. And the, the most important thing is that people, are not in a rush to get anywhere. And I've said this before in previous episodes that people are not in a rush to get anywhere. Right now, we got the time to ourselves, with our families. Mm-hmm. We, we can now um, collect our thoughts, take a breather, take a step back, live life a little. Yes, the pandemic, yes, it's, it, it's hurt a lot of people you know, negatively, but it, it's also shined a light on a lot of people and it's ha- had 
a really good impact on people, uh, be able to focus, refocus, recharge. And, and, and like I said, take a step back and breathe a little. Now, you know, when COVID, you know, disappears and the clouds move and the sun comes out and everybody gets back to work, I wonder what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, inter- it's interesting. I think there's, you're right about the, um, the positive stuff. I always try and look at the positive stuff. I look at this, and I, I was doing it as well. Like when, when you can't really go anywhere, like we were finding places near us that I never knew existed where you could just go for a walk or something. Like, you know, when you look on the map and you just see these bits of green on the map and you're like, I wonder what this is. And like, we were doing it because you couldn't do anything else. And it, it completely refocuses your mind. Um, and I think there's, there's a few good things out of it. There's a new generation of people that did this kind of, you know, maybe it was their first bit of exercise in a while or they did a bit of walking or they did a bit of running. Yeah. These people are going to be wanting to enter events and races, I think, in the next year because they want to put a value on what they've been doing. You know, they, maybe they ran their first 5K you know, now they can go and do a race. And that's the market that I love. Those people that do it for the first time. Yeah. I always, I always look at the events from that angle because it's just who, who I am. You know, I'm never going to race super competitively. So I can, I can relate to the runner who's doing it for the first time. For the first, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. That's awesome. Because you're kind of growing them to their, you know, their achievement. And it's going to be a different kind of achievement. Um, when you you're setting them up. Yeah, yeah. When you hear their stories, I mean, some of the stories you hear, like where people have come from and, you just wouldn't like you wouldn't yeah. believe it sometimes so um that stuff i love so there's that you know that kind of group of people and yeah. the people that do the virtual races because they don't like running in crowds exactly thinking okay maybe i can do a proper event now because i'm sick of the virtual whole <laughs> of this year so <laughs> nothing wrong with virtual nothing wrong with virtual a lot of people love the virtual for me uh i've done the virtual a couple of times uh, you know what? And it's great because it gives people options without having to go into, you know, gatherings of people. They can do it on their own and it's them against them. It's them against time, you know, you know, bettering themselves, which is great. It's an option. It's there for you. For me, I, I love competition. I love standing beside my fellow, pe- my fellow men and competing. That is the normal that I'm used to. That's the normal that I want to get back to. So I can only imagine how many people, how many athletes worldwide are at home, <laughs> sick of training because we have no races to, ru- <laughs> to run, <laughs> but we're training and we're staying at home and we just can't wait uh, for the season to begin. And hopefully that, you know, COVID uh, disappears and uh, disintegrates and it's out of here and we can all get back. You, you see it from that angle, which is interesting, like, you know, that competitive nature. And it must be hard just to sit at home and... Oh, my God. Maybe because, like, you know, for me and people I know, just going somewhere for a run is fine. But when you're craving that competition, um, and I've had it a bit in sports that I've done, like the martial arts aspects of it. I went for a training session the other week, and because of COVID, we couldn't... You can't fight each other because you're always quite close, you know, it gets yeah. a bit sweaty. You're sharing body armor and stuff, and... I did look at that and that's one sport I'm really competitive in just from stuff I've done in the past. And I was kind of like, oh, I didn't get to kick anyone today. <laughs> like I did miss that, that aspect of it a lot. And what I should have mentioned when I, so I, <laughs> I, I wasn't wrestling. Uh, I got into wrestling when I was young uh, here in Canada, uh, high school. And then I went and did some in college, but, and I loved it. I can only imagine how weird it is to do wrestling, uh, virtual wrestling. <laughs> 
<laughs> you in a shadow. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's for a whole different topic and a whole different episode. So Matt, let me ask you, do you have any shout outs that you want to give to anyone or organizations? Uh, yeah, I think a few of the clients would be good. Like, Go ahead, buddy. The floor is yours. <laughs> so um, the, guy, the guys at Nuclear Races are great. Like they, they pushed really hard to put on an obstacle race when COVID was happening. And I think, I think I'm right in saying they were the first obstacle race, if not one of the first big races, you know, two, 3,000 people plus that happened. Um, that was a couple months ago, their first one. They did two in quite quick succession. And just from being in the industry, like I know they didn't do that event to make any money, you know, yeah. to, to increase their presence. They did it purely to get people coming back into the OCR sport. So those guys are, those guys are great. And they, yeah. just from seeing these massive tankers full of anti-back that they're spraying on the obstacles after every single person, like I, I, I know how much time went into that. So they, they did it purely just to get people back into the sport. Um, you know, and when you're, when you're there at the event, seeing people like a couple meters apart, like abiding by the rules, wearing masks, thanking the marshals, that, that was a really good sign. So I think they, yeah. they just took their own back, you know, to kind of lead the way. Um, and then there's that. And then I think a lot of the race directors, there's a, a company called, um, actually there's a guy called Tom, Tom Bedford in the UK, okay. who, I, who I know a little bit. He, um, he kind of led the way for running events to return. He, he did a big one. He did a big kind of shout about it. Um, I know he faced a little bit of backlash, which, you know, of course, they want from it, of course, like it's hard, but he, he found a venue and he got a race going with you know, three, 4,000 people, I think. And oh. he pulled in race directors across the whole of the UK to kind of look at this and say, how can we put an event on that's safe? Not only for now, but, you know, maybe this time next year, if something happens again, or how can these things kind of carry on into the future? You know, maybe the virus won't be around in the same capacity it is now, but we still need to have waves. We still need to split people. Maybe people still want that, these kind of aspects to an event because they just feel a bit safer. And there's, of course, there's other things going around. Um, of course. Virus. So th- I think those two guys, or those two companies, um, are just really good examples in the sport. Um, and you know, they didn't have to do it. A lot of them just did it to, to kind of pave the way for all of us that do things for, a bit more for fun, to kind of you know, feel a bit more confident about it. That's awesome. That is mm-hmm. truly, truly awesome. And I commend them for that. Um, you know, let me also add to this with nuclear races. I don't know the people, the staff uh, behind nuclear races, but I've heard so many good things. Um, even when OCR, the, the world championships were there, um, I believe, if I'm correct, they did u- use their, their lands or, yeah. Uh, yeah, they did. And they were successful. Uh, Adrian Bijanada from, you know, the founder of, um, of uh, OCRW uh, Worlds, um, he was very happy with, uh, with the outcome, the result at the end. Um, uh, the people came out. It was fun. And with, you know, regarding nuclear races, like I said, I've, all, I've heard so many good things. I would love to one day go and, and uh, participate, uh, register, participate, and compete because I've heard so many good things. So good job for them. You know, my hat goes off to them. Yeah, really, really nice guys, and yeah, it's great. It's great fun to work with them, and I go. Yeah. I'm lucky to go to their events. Most of them in the year, we go, we help out, we get stuck in. You know, 
we're not just the boring tech guys that stand there like I'm always like yeah people need shouting out to yeah. and out people to move you know like I, I know what it's like so um I love that kind of part you know people just kind of if a job needs doing it needs doing you know if we're, if we're there checking people in and the gazebo falls down like it did I think last year yeah. go and put the gazebo up like it's just that kind of thing you know people just all chip in and help and wow so I love that aspect of it um if people are looking to find out more about you, Matt, where can they go? Oh, if they want to find out more about me. If they, yeah, uh, they want to reach out to you. They want to, they want to learn more about you and what you do. Where can they, where can they go? I think, uh, I think the LinkedIn presence is the best one. The LinkedIn, eh? Uh, I try okay. and make that. I think it's a, it's a great platform. Like, it's been a great platform for us as a company at Nuco. And I, you know, like this conversation here, like... Of course. I love, I love connecting with people anywhere. And may, maybe there's not crossover now, but there might be in the future. And we get anything from event directors looking to use our platform. I mean, you know, of course. it's a really good thing for us. Or people just reaching out, asking for advice. I've, I've got clients off the back of conversations, like helping them market. Um, even just a lot of free value. You know, people, how do I get my entries to increase? I can give them half an hour on the phone and I always just try and help. So, um, yeah, of course. Of a message. Of course. So, you know, for for everybody watching and listening, you know, you hit on something really important. Um, we reached out. You you reached out to me through LinkedIn, and I was surprised. And here you are. You know, long story short, here you are. I learned so much. I truly did, and it's inspiring. And I'm happy with what you're doing. And I wish you all the best. Um, for all the viewers and listeners out there, uh, Matt Trevette, you guys can, you know, ask him questions, look him up, uh, go to LinkedIn and look him up. Um, he'll get back to you and he'll answer all your questions. Matt, it's been a true pleasure having you on OCR and edited, speaking with you and learning so much uh, about you and, and, and everything that you do. Um, I wish you the very best in everything that you do in your race organization and everything that you put up. I hope everything works out well. And please reach out. I would love to have you on again. Uh, it's been a true pleasure. And for everybody listening and watching, I hope you guys learned as much as I have. Uh, once again, this is Matt Trevette. Guys, look him up. Matt, thank you so much. Uh, you have yourself a lovely day, buddy. You too. Thanks. Have a good one. Take care.